Merry Christmas, Fairhaven. Great to see you today. Thank you for being here. For those of you that come on a regular basis on all of our campuses and those of you that are online, I just want to say thank you for all this year of generosity. Thank you. You're able to do incredible things as you've already heard from our hosts and our campus pastors. And I just want to add to that and say thank you. Thank you for your generosity as we desire to do so much in our cities and count in our communities that we serve in and around the world as we have global partners. So thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of that. I want to welcome all those of you that are guests with us. If you're here for the first time, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It's great to be with you here today as we continue in a series uh, that we're saying that we're calling One Miracle. As we look at the miracle of Christmas, we're looking at it from a variety of different perspectives. Two weeks ago, we started by saying promises kept is really about what Christmas is, that God made a promise and he kept it. Promise made, promise kept. And then last week, we looked at the fact that if you look to the uh, Christmas story uh, that are written for us by the gospel writers, there's so much awe and wonder. And so the question is, do we have that today or is it just old hat for us? And how do we bring back that awe and wonder uh, in our own lives? Because that's what Christmas is designed. And today, what I want to do is to look with you in the Old Testament to see how a prophet gave us a gender reveal. And so if you've got a Bible or a device with you, you want to power them up, you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, and we'll start in verse 6, and I'll read that for you uh, in just a second. I do want to welcome our Springboro campus to the south. I want to welcome our Northmont campus to the north. I want to welcome Beaver Creek uh, to the east and Classics. All you that are right here in Centerville and those online with us, wherever you might be, it's so great that we can be one church in a variety of locations, and we can study together today, and we can worship, and we're excited about Christmas and all that's coming around. We're just down to the last couple of days here. It's really, really uh, exciting. Hey, have you ever seen or heard about these gender reveals that are happening all over the place with these young couples? Um, I've I've heard about it because my own son and daughter-in-law did it. Here's what it is if you don't know about it. A gender reveal is when a couple gets pregnant and they get really excited about their pregnancy, and, and they want to try to reveal what the gender of the baby is, and so they go and see a physician, and the doctor gives either a best friend or a sister or somebody, um, you know, what the, what the gender is, and then they get together and have a party, and it's a gender reveal party, and they'll do things like, they'll have balloons where, you know, they'll pop a big balloon, and inside the big balloon, there's all kinds of small balloons, and it's either blue or pink, you know, blue boy or pink girl. Or you can go to a party and there's a cake there. And the cake has got icing on it and the icing is blue and pink. And then you slice the cake and everybody claps and it's a girl. There you go. It's a girl, right? Um, And it's really fun to do that. Or you can do what my son and his uh, wife did. And that is they went to the beach and uh, the sister, her sister had the, uh, you know, the gender. And so she bought all the stuff. And they have these things called the powder cannons. That's what they're called. And so what you do is you go to the beach and you pull the wick and, and there it goes and explodes and the, you know, and the, the powder comes out and there's this big smoke there and you can see if it's a boy or a girl and it's confirmed. It's a girl. There it is right there. Although in their life it was a boy twice. And so these gender reveals are really, really kind of fun. They're happening more and more. They're getting more and more elaborate. Um, they're costing more and more money. Um, so that's an interesting thing as well. Um, but Christmas is a really cool time because we have a prophet, his name is Isaiah, who actually does that for us. 
He gives us a gender reveal and tells us some amazing things about uh, this Christmas story, the baby who came for us, um, who will be God with us, and all that that means for you and for me. So if you remember anything at all about this message today, here's what I want you to remember, that Christmas is personal to you, that God did all of this for you and for me and for the entire world. Because sometimes we think of Christmas as this big global, worldwide thing, and it is. I mean, think about the fact that on Christmas Day, there are gonna be billions and billions of people who will celebrate it. Some of uh, of us will celebrate it because we have a relationship with God. And many people will celebrate it only because they have presents or they have a tree that's lit or whatever. And so we get to, as followers of Jesus, we get to look at this gender reveal and to see what it really means for us because it's so, so personal for us. And so your Bibles are open, your devices are powered up. Let me read it for you and let's go back and see it. No doubt you've heard these uh, verses, you've seen them on a Christmas card of some kind or uh, at Christmas we always read these verses. And so you've heard them before, but I want you to look at him with me today in a way that you may not have seen or heard uh, before. Here's what it says. The prophet Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. That's encouraging. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The word of the Lord for us. And the church said, amen. Amen. It's a good word for us, right? It's amazing. Here's what's interesting is that many times we don't read uh, Isaiah chapter 7 and 8 and 9, the context of where uh, this prophet is giving this gender reveal, which we'll look at in just a second here, um, is around tremendous pain and suffering. You see, King Ahaz was the king in Israel. He was, according to scholars, probably the most wicked king ever in history. And um, he was doing all kinds of strange things. There was idolatry going on. Uh, people were getting married to, to other uh, religions. And so there was this huge you know, problem with, with religion that was being mixed all over the place. And so they created all kinds of problems. And, uh, and Ahaz was mean to his people. And so God used Isaiah to warn King Ahaz and tell him, him that the Assyrians are going to come in and they're going to wipe out the, you know, the entire map and they're going to take people and bring them back and there's going to be all kinds of problems. And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of very difficult news, Isaiah gives this great, great gender reveal of how God the Father is going to send his son to you and to me. And it's so personal. So here's what I'd say to you. If you're here today and you're working really, really hard to put a smile on for Christmas, And yet really, down deep inside, there's loss uh, in your life. There's an empty chair, perhaps, this Christmas. Or maybe there's a life change that's taking place in your life. Maybe you're you're going from one time of life to another, or something has taken place in the last couple of months, and and you're going through transition of of life change of some kind, or you're experiencing some tragedy in your life of some kind, or uh, brokenness, or uh, there is a struggle that you're dealing with. This could not be a better time for you to take a look at the Christmas story. Because it's in the context of all of that that Isaiah gives this wonderful news, which is extremely personal to you 
and to me. And so I want to take a look at it today with you. And I want to go line by line. I want to take it apart. I want you to look at it. You've got to have your Bibles open and underline phrases here because this entire, uh, these three verses, six, seven, eight, um, is so rich, so full of things that you and I can see that it's very personal. So let's start. Here it is. Again, it starts out and he says this, for to us, a child. So this is for you, for to us. Even though there's billions of people going to celebrate this, this is for you. This is for me. So wherever you're at in your life, I mean, this could be the best time of season for you. This is an opportunity for you to celebrate the fact that this is for you, for to us. Isaiah gives us a gender reveal 700 years before the baby is born. Now try to get your head around that, 700 years. I mean, it's really hard to do that, especially here in the U.S. I mean, all you have to do is travel to Europe. I had a friend that lived in Germany, and he lived in a house that was 600 years old. 600. I mean, how is that even possible that it weathered all the storms and rain? And, you know, he was showing me beams in his place in the Black Forest in, in Germany. And just a huge beam that was like 600 years old. And, and we just can't get our heads around that. It's just amazing that Isaiah gives this to the people then, and he's giving it to us now that this gender reveal is 700 years before it actually takes place. Well, Kathy and I, my wife Kathy and I, we're getting ready with some of our Christmas decorations. Um, we have a big Christmas tree that we pull out of our storeroom, and not unlike what you do, we fluff it up, and, and we pray like crazy that when we plug it in, the lights will actually come on. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? You plug it in, and you're like, I don't know, you know, and then, and then it doesn't work, so then you go out and buy more lights and just tack it on there. So we've got like, I don't know, 30, I think, you know, light strands that are on there, and 29 of them don't work. Um, <laughs> And so we're pulling all this stuff out and it's amazing. And I ran into a little box that has my name on it and it's stuff that's uh, of my childhood and, and I don't spend much time in there, but I got to cut, my interest was piqued. And so I looked into it and, and this is what I found. I found actually my birth certificate, um, which was, you know, I was born in Indonesia. Some of you know that. And here's my birth certificate. What's really interesting to me is, you know, Isaiah gives us his gender reveal 700 years before Jesus is born. Uh, this is my birth certificate, and it was written one month and two days after my birth. Like, that seems unfair. Like, it should have been like the day off, don't you think, church? And in fact, I see, as I was looking at it, there are several typos on my birth certificate. So it's completely void. It just, it's of no good, no value at all, apparently, because there's all kinds of typos in here. Um, and I was born August 14th, 1963. <laughs> Anybody born in that year? You know what I'm talking about right there. And while I was finding this, uh, I noticed, because my mom actually was telling me about it, here's my very first little formal outfit. I don't know if it was Christmas or not. My first little formal outfit, it's got stains all over it, as any boy would have, right? My little pants there, and, and I don't know how old I was, but that was my very first little formal outfit, and so I'm, you know, I'm keeping that in my little box. It's pretty amazing. Isaiah tells us, 700 years before the baby is born, for to us. Church, this is personal. This is for you. And so I hope that you've come ready to celebrate Christmas because this is so personal. And then he goes on. He says, for to us, a child is born. And what we have there is the fact that this child is going to be human. It's a child that is born of a virgin. Joseph had no part of this. 
This is simply a God working in this little girl, probably a teenage girl, and you see the humanity of Jesus in that line right there. A child is born, and then you see the divinity coming right after it, and a son is given. John 3.16 tells us that God so, what church? Love the world that he gave his one and only son. And so this is a gift to you and I. And so Jesus is fully man and fully God, meaning he knows everything that you go through. Have you ever had somebody tell you, you know, come up to you when you've experienced some struggle in your life and, and they say, man, I know exactly what you're going through. And in your head, you're like, they have no idea what the, what I'm, Right? You've had that happen to you, no doubt. And, and so the good news is, with Jesus, that's not how that happens. Jesus understands everything that you're going through. He understands pain and betrayal and loss and, and difficulty. He understands joy. He understands friendship. He understands all those things. And so he's fully man and fully God. He didn't give up any part of being a God, and yet he was willing to come in humble form of a baby. For to us... A child is born, to us a son is given. And then here's a statement that many of us kind of just read over and doesn't really mean much, and yet I think this next statement is the thing that this whole gender reveal from Isaiah hangs on. Don't miss it. Here's what it says. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. That is in no way a political statement. It has nothing to do with government or po politics. Here's what that means. That every aspect, the government, all aspects of your life, God can shoulder. Wow. In other words, the Christmas story is the celebration that God desires, Jesus more specifically desires, to shoulder everything that you can give him, every aspect of your life that is greater than you can handle, he wants to shoulder that. We have a God who loves us so much that he wants to shoulder all the difficulty that you have in your life and my life. So let me ask you a question because I'm going to come back to it at the end. Do you have anything today that you need God to shoulder for you? An emotion, some sense where you're confused or lost in your life, whatever that might be. You see, Christmas, even though everybody around us seems to have smiles and joy is really the call for this week and all those kinds of things, and you're trying your best, you don't have to try any longer. You can simply just allow God to shoulder it. Christmas is the reminder that we have a God who is fully man, fully God, who came for us, who will shoulder everything that you need him to shoulder. What a great promise that is. If you will remember anything at all today, remember that Christmas is so, so personal. As a matter of fact, I think that in this gender reveal, as Isaiah is telling us about this baby who is God, as he tells us the gender that this little son, this little boy is going to be born, and that he's going to shoulder everything that you can allow him to shoulder, and he says then how he's going to do that. In fact, he gives us four names. And really, they're not names at all, because I don't think any of us say, well, I'm going to pray and, and ask the wonderful counselor today uh, to help me. We don't ever use it as names. In fact, even when Isaiah says, and his name shall be called, it's not really a name. What that means is his reputation or his character or the designation that God gives to him that will help you and I to understand how he will shoulder everything that we need him to shoulder. Isn't that awesome? And so I want you to see these four aspects that are given to us. 
as Isaiah is laying this out for us. He tells us the very character of God, and it's so personal. Let's dive in. I want to take a look at each one of these, and hopefully they'll maybe come off the page again, because I know, I know you've heard it a million times. I know you've seen it in cards, but today what I want you to do is I want you to read it, and I want you to see it on your heart, that it's personal to you, because God wants to shoulder whatever it is that you want to bring this Christmas as a gift to you and to me, and he does that because, number one, he is the wonderful counselor. I mean, just even saying the words, just listening to it come off of, you know, somebody's lips is awesome. He's our wonderful counselor. He wants to be the advocate for you. He wants to be the helpful, hopeful insight. He's somebody that not just knows about you, he knows you completely. He created you. Jesus was part of the creation because he was long before he came to earth. He existed in eternity. And he came because he wanted to identify with you and me in order that he might be able to shoulder all that we can give to him. Wonderful counselor. I think you know this, but let's just rehearse a couple things that are very true about us as Americans. Um, and you probably, as I mentioned, you probably know this, but did you know that Americans are going to a lot of therapy? Americans are finding themselves at psychologists, therapists, psychiatrists, and all kinds of people. Now, let me, let me just pause here by saying, I'm for it. I think counselors are great. Um, I've had them in my life, and no doubt you probably have had them in your life. And, and, and if you're wondering, uh, I think counselors are awesome because counselors is an outside voice that can help advocate for the things that you're dealing with. They can give you a perspective that maybe you can't have on your own because when you breathe your own air, sometimes it becomes a little toxic. And so you need somebody from outside to just kind of help you. And so counseling is really, really important. That's why we have counselors here at any one of our campuses. We have a counseling center that we have, uh, that we have hired and put together in order that you might get you know, counseling that is professional. People know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. We have great counselors in our community. But I guess I must preface by saying that if you're going to go see a counselor, I would really encourage you to go see somebody who is a follower of Jesus. Because if you're going to see a counselor, you want somebody who's going to give you insight and be an advocate for you coming from the word of God or from a worldview that will help you and see that this baby that was born for us is in fact the counselor that you need in your life. And a Christian counselor will do that. Am I right, church? Amen. So if you're looking for a counselor, I want to encourage you to think about that. But what we know is that lots and lots of Americans, uh, in terms of visiting a psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist, did you know that in the last year alone, in the last two decades, we're at the lowest point we've ever been in two decades? You would have thought that 2020 was the worst year. It's not. It's not 2021. It's actually not even 2022. It's this year. We find ourselves in the lowest we've ever been in two decades. What's really interesting is that 34% of 18 to 34 year olds are struggling and needing some counseling in their life. They've actually visited a counselor at some point in their life. And so I would tell you, if you're here today and any one of our campuses are online and you're between 18 and 34, I just gotta tell you that the Christmas story is for you because Isaiah tells us that we have a God who wants to shoulder all the things that you're experiencing. And he wants to do so as a wonderful counselor. 
coming alongside godly men and women who might want to speak into your life, counselors, uh, if that be the case. 24% of 35 to 50 year, uh, four-year-olds, 13% of 55 and older. Here's an interesting statistic. 26% of women have actually visited a counselor or a psychologist of some kind, and only 17% of men. Now, women, don't get discouraged here. Let me tell you what's happening here. The reason why it's only 17% men is because we're too proud to tell you that we need to go to one. So a lot of us men, we probably need to see counselors as well. And so that number really is probably the same, if not more, for us. We're just, we just don't want to, and it's harder for us. But the bottom line for us is that we are historically in the worst decline in mental health ever in American history. And isn't it great to know that we have a Savior and a God who has come as our wonderful counselor? He wants to be an advocate and a helpful insight. He wants to listen to what you have to say. He cares deeply. And so what would it be like if on this weekend before we enter into Christmas and we celebrate through our Christmas Eve services and all of our campuses, what would it be like for you to just admit, you know what, I need a counselor in my life. I need Jesus to give me some really, really good sound advice. When you look at the word wonderful there, it's really interesting it's not the word wonderful that we normally would use. Like, for example, um, we would say, you know, if you go out to dinner with some friends, you'd say, well, you know, that was a wonderful dinner that we had. Um, or, you know, if you were, um, you're going to have a Christmas party and you would say, that was a wonderful Christmas party. We had a great time as we all got together and, you know, reminisced and so forth. Or we would say, you know, I went shopping this week and had a wonderful time looking for a parking spot. <laughs> well, that doesn't happen. See, the word wonderful here, though, is a very different word. And if you like to write in your Bibles, you may want to write this down. The word wonderful means that he will give us things that will transcend our understanding. It's so wonderful that you may not even understand how wonderful it really is, that he'll give you things that you may not even expect because it's so amazing. I'll give you an example. Years and years ago, I've told you stories a couple times. We've been transparent, my wife and I have how when one of our sons uh, took ill, and it was a really tough time for us. In fact, I remember uh, the chair that I was sitting in. I remember uh, actually the day, uh, I can't remember exactly the, the, the calendar date, but I remember the day, and I was sitting in my chair that I normally sit in in the morning, early in the morning, and I remember talking to God and just coming to him and saying, Lord, I just need some help here. I, I need, we need healing. We need you to give us strength. We need you to help us. And I, nobody heard it. It wasn't like my wife heard it, um, but I heard it. I heard it in my heart. God spoke to me. And he actually said something to me that was wonderful because I didn't expect it. Like I was hoping to hear, don't worry, I'll bring healing. But that's not what he said, even though I believe that's what he wants to do. He didn't say, don't worry, every day I'm going to strengthen you and help you, and, and, which is true if you look at the promises of God, but that's not what he said. Here's what he said. I actually wrote it down. This is what I heard God tell me in that moment. Here's what he said. I can trust no one else with that son. I didn't expect that. That was wonderful. In fact, I thought to myself, wow, you mean like I'm the only one on the entire planet that God can trust with this son? And God said, yeah, that's you. I mean, it was so encouraging and so helpful to me. And it's not what I expected. I mean, it was wonderful that God gave me that moment, that, that encouragement in my life 
that was so wonderful. See, Isaiah says that he is our wonderful counselor. You know what that means? That means that Jesus brings resolution to everything in ways that will transcend our understanding. Jesus can tell you things and he can encourage you in ways that you will never expect because that's just how wonderful he is. Because you see, Jesus will give us the advice we need. He will give us the right thoughts that we should think, even though sometimes we fight them. He will give us truths about ourselves that we don't see in ourselves or things that we don't want to see in ourselves. And all by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the very reason why as he was walking with his disciples one day in Jerusalem, he saw a building and he saw the building had vine on it and he pointed to the vine and he pointed to the branches and he said these words, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus says. I am the vine, and you are the branches. No wonder Jesus said that. Because he came as our wonderful counselor. And so the fact that you're here, well done, Fairhaven. The fact that you're here and you're wanting to connect with God, because he's here and he wants to be wonderful and to surprise you, because he wants to be there for you and help bring resolution to something that you might be struggling with so that you can allow him to shoulder that. It's so personal, isn't it? Well, Isaiah goes on and he says this, that he's the mighty God. Two words that are put together that are really interesting, mighty God, which means that there is a now part of it and there's an eternal part of it. So there's two things going on here. There's something about the present advent and there's something in here about the next advent, the second advent, when Jesus is going to come back again. Mighty God meaning that Jesus will come and he will turn upside down the idea of authority or power or leadership. See, I don't think anyone else would have come up with the idea. You know what? Maybe he should come as a baby. None of us would come up with that idea. That's a God who wants to redefine what mighty looks like. And so mighty God, meaning that there's something for us today and there's something for us in eternity. Let me say it this way. Isaiah, I think, is saying that Jesus has healing power that we need now. Christmas is a perfect time for you to experience some healing in your life, whether it's emotionally or relationally or mentally or spiritually or in any area of your life. He's the mighty God where he desires to bring healing into your life. And here's the best part. If you read in Deuteronomy chapter 10, we're told there that God is not biased. He's not partial. And he can never be bribed. And yet we try, don't we? Have you ever, don't raise your hand, but have you ever said to God, I'll do, I'll do this for you if you will come through with me on this side. God cannot be and will not be bribed. He's not partial. He's the mighty God. He came humble to go to the cross. And he was powerful to walk away from the tomb. 
And so it's amazing that we have these two images in our minds when we think of the mighty God. One is now and one is eternal. What would it be like if today on this On this Sunday, this weekend, as we celebrate Christmas again, thinking about the one miracle that you were to allow him to shoulder and bring healing in some emotional area or relational area in your life today, now, he wants to shoulder that. But he also wants us to think and and prepare for the future because this Advent is, is not just about today, it's about the future. It's about the fact that no matter what's happening right now, there's a day when he's gonna come back. He's not gonna come back as a baby. He's gonna come back on a white horse and reign forever and ever and make everything right. In fact, this is what Isaiah says. Take a look at it with me. If you jump down to verse seven, he says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. And the passion or the zeal of the role, the reality of that, he's going to make it happen. He's going to make it happen. And so it's just amazing that we have this mighty God. There's a guy, I don't know if you saw his story or not, but um, a book came out not too long ago. Um, The book is called Beauty from Ashes or Beauty After Ashes, and it's written by Jeannie. Uh, Jeannie Bracca is her name, and Jeannie wrote it about her husband, Al. Google a story for yourself. Let me show you a picture of Al. This is Al. Al was in the North Tower on 9-11. He was on the 104th floor. Al was a stock uh, changer or broker, I don't know how you call it, but he was a broker, um, and Al worked on the 104th floor, and every day he would come into work, and he, you know, he was a believer, he was a follower of Jesus Christ, he was very active in his church, in fact, he was an elder in his church, and he would come to work every day, and uh, his co-workers and, and colleagues would see him every once in a while praying at his desk. Sometimes at lunch, he would have devotions at his little cubicle, and, uh, and so his co-workers saw that, and they began to mock him a little bit. You know, I mean, the religious guy. In fact, they call him the Rev. And, um, and you know, he didn't like it, but he just kind of, you know, he kind of dealt with it. And, and over time, they would do things. In fact, in the book, it talks about the fact that there were some days when Al would come to work and on his computer, somebody had uploaded pornographic images simply to just try to get his goat and get him going. And that hurt him. There were other times that they had parties and they would bring cakes in and sometimes they'd bring cakes in and put, you know, really graphic things on the cake just to try to spite, you know, Big Al. And Al was there when the big blast happened. It was on the 94th to the 98th floor when that plane hit the tower, the North Tower. And he was there and he could smell the smoke. He was only six floors above that. And the reason we, the way we know this is because there were people that made phone calls. And so as Jeannie, the wife of Al, was talking to different people from phone calls and different things that happened, here's what happened that day. Al was there, the airplane hit the tower, flames were coming everywhere, smoke was coming up into their floor. He smelled the smoke, he saw the flames. In fact, he even said to his coworkers, my feet feel like they're on fire. He tried to call his wife, Jeannie, and couldn't get a hold of her. And so he called the operator in the building. Believe it or not, the phones worked um, at that time anyway. And so he called the operator, and her name was Wilma. And he said, Wilma, would you please do me a favor? You promise you'll do this. And Wilma said, I promise, I promise. And he says, I want you to call my wife, Jeannie. Here's her phone number. And I want you to tell her that I love her and that I've enjoyed my life with her. 
And would you just tell her that I'm going to see her in heaven one day and it's going to be okay. And then in the background, Wilma heard Al say, hey, I'm going to heaven. Anybody want to go with me? And Al called for the people there on the 104th floor and said, hey, listen, if you're interested at all in a God who loves you, a mighty God, would you join me in a circle here? And I want to pray for you. And I want you to pray and, and invite Jesus into your life. And the reason why we know that some did is because several in that, in that circle there actually made cell phone calls to their spouses and family members and said, hey, I made a big decision just now. And Al was there. Al led us in prayer. And then the South Tower was hit. And the whole thing came down. And Al's in heaven. And Jeannie died not too long ago. And so Jeannie's with him. You see, Isaiah says that Jesus is our mighty God. In other words, he will, he will bring healing today and he also has the power to bring us to be with him forever and ever and ever. And we'll see him again. What a great thing that is. And then Isaiah goes on and he says, he's the everlasting father. The word father has all kinds of responses, visceral responses, actually. Some of us would say, yeah, my father was awesome. It was the best. Um, and he should be an example to everybody else. And others would say, you know what? I had a really tough time. My father was unavailable. He was, you know, perhaps you'd say my father was, you know, didn't listen, didn't really care. Or I couldn't get his attention. He was very busy. You know, I think of the song Cats and Cradles. What a sad, sad song. And the truth of the matter is, I want you to try to put all of that out of your mind because Isaiah tells us as he's giving this gender reveal that this is how God's going to shoulder everything that you need him to shoulder today. And he's going to do that because he's the everlasting, he's the eternal father. He's a father that has and always will be one who is attentive to you, cares about you, will listen to you, will have your best interest in mind. All of those things is what I need and you need to have in your mind as we think of the everlasting or the eternal father. See, Isaiah is saying this, that Jesus is kind enough. He is strong enough. He is wise enough. And he is good enough to shoulder all of our concerns. He is our everlasting father. So no wonder that Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 or 5 verse 7 rather says cast your anxieties on him. Here's why. Because he what church? He cares for you. Because he's an everlasting father. That's what he does. He'll never leave you stranded. He'll never not give you his attention. He'll never not want to visit with you. He'll never not want to think about things with you and to talk with you um, as you do so in prayer and so, and Peter knew that. Peter understood that. And see, the word casting there is a really interesting word because it's not like you would lay it before him. You know, we have this very reverent idea that, you know, if you've got a struggle in your life and you want to lay it before God and you do it in such a reverent manner, that's not what the word casting there means. It's violent. It's as if you throw it. Like, I am done with this, and you throw it. You cast it. That's what the original language means. It's like taking a fishing pole and violently casting the lure into the water, where you just cast upon him because he's got the shoulders to handle it, and he desires to. And so you can cast all of your anxieties because he cares for you. Jesus goes on to say this. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you 
Rest. Rest. See, Christmas is designed to be a season of rest. And yet I think most of us would say it's the opposite. Because we run hard and we party hard and we have all things we need to do. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just saying that we've got to stop at some point and lean into the fact that Isaiah tells us he's the everlasting father. And he wants to hear from you today. He wants to hear from me. Here's what Isaiah is saying, I think, that we need to understand that Jesus is, in fact, kind enough and strong enough and wise enough and good enough. And I wonder if the reason why Isaiah, uh, because God wants to communicate to us, but I wonder if the, the need for an everlasting father in our lives is because of this. Because humans, that's you and me, often overestimate our ability. We overestimate our ability. And so the truth of the matter is, many times when we say, well, we want to allow God to shoulder our problems, we don't even let him shoulder because we want to shoulder ourselves. We want to, you know, I think I can handle this one. And so you see, the reason why we need an everlasting father is because humans often overestimate their ability and worse yet, they underestimate their inability. We underestimate the inability that we have. And so we have this everlasting Father. Well, then he says one more as he's trying to describe the character of Jesus who wants to shoulder all of this for us because it's so personal. He says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I think you already know, but most of us, when we think of peace, we would like it to be world peace. Because you see, if there was just no chaos around us, then things would be great. But you know they wouldn't. Because we would always find a way to mess it up. It'd be great if there was no wars, if there was no discrimination, if there was no, you know, things happening in the news and in the world around us today. Certainly, we all would want that. And I think God will wants that for us as well. But there's going to be a day when that is going to happen. He's going to come back and he's going to create peace because he's just and he's righteous, as Isaiah said. But the truth of the matter is, what we need to remind ourselves is that Christmas is a time when you and I can have peace in our hearts. And peace... I believe that Isaiah is talking about is where Jesus understands our desire for our hearts to be aligned with his and with each other. I think you know this, but let's just rehearse. So you can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Christmas is the reminder that you and I can have peace because he's the Prince of Peace, that we can have peace with God. It's a great time for you to re-enter into the relationship that you may have had with him or as you perhaps have drifted away that the Prince of Peace desires to bring alignment in your heart. And here's what I've discovered in my life, that alignment with him is the only way that I can have alignment with others. And so the Prince of Peace allows that for us to happen in our lives. And it's so so personal. I wonder if that's why the angel in Matthew chapter one came and said, you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Because God came to be with us because he desires to shoulder everything that you have in your life. Church, would you just bow with me for a minute? Because chances are there might be a few things that we need him to shoulder. Something in our career something in our families, something with our children, something in our future, in our finances, whatever that might be. Father, I pray that you would help us today. I pray, Lord, for our church family here, 
Thank you, Lord, that we get to gather and we get to look into your word. Thank you for this gender reveal from Isaiah that tells us that, God, you will shoulder everything that we give you. And so, Father, we give you our struggles. We give you our pain. We give you our joy. We give you all the things that have been happening in our life that are amazing. We want you to get the credit. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you that you are, in fact, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. So God, we come today and we want our hearts to be aligned with you. May that happen, we pray. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen.